On this episode, I wonder how a woman survived underwater for hours. I cover the story of a husband stealing his wife's identification. I ponder why a tattoo artist wasn't found sooner. And I talk about a bunch of other stuff, including upcoming topics for this Friday's Q&A episode. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for April 10th, 2023. Hello, everyone. Why, yes, I would like to go live YouTube. I certainly would. Thank you for asking. This is, of course, the Unfound Live show on YouTube and elsewhere for April 10th, 2023. I have a spectacular, although my hair is not looking too spectacular, I uh, have a spectacular show lined up for all of you tonight, a mixture of unfound stuff some national uh, news, true crime news, and whatever else we may get into tonight. Before we are done, I will, of course, tell you about this Friday's episode, which is a unique one. Um, We're coming up on the fifth edition of it this Friday. Really looking forward to that, but I will talk about that later. And uh, before we all get started, you chatting, me talking, you typing, me reading, I hope you will all give this video a thumbs up. Just do it right now. I will, of course, say this many times in the next two hours. But get it done right now so you don't forget later. Maybe something might happen. You will draw you, will take you away from this live show, and you'll be like, Oh, no, I didn't give the live show a thumbs up. See, you won't have to worry about that if you just do it right now. So on your phone, on your tablet, on your PC, on your MacBook, tablet, whatever else. Uh, Maybe you're even watching on a Commodore 64 for all I know. Um, Give it a thumbs up, and it is deeply appreciated. Of course, subscribe to this channel. I think I can tell from, and I'll get into uh, this a little bit later, but... I think from my uh, appearance on the Web Sleuths YouTube channel this weekend, we have certainly picked up some new people looking at the stats since Saturday. So if you are one of those new people, maybe tuning in tonight, heard that I do a live show as well, uh, why don't you consider subscribing? And that is right down there in the right-hand corner of your screen. And then if you'd like to go one step further, not farther, further, maybe join this channel and contribute, monetarily support what we do here. Uh, And what do we do here? You may be asking, what do you do there, Ed? What do you and your assistants do? We do a lot of things. Of course, we do the podcast, but we do a lot of counseling, 
behind the scenes. Uh, I'll be, of course, talking about that in a few weeks for the next update episode. We do things behind the scenes for guests and for everything that we do for guests, whether it's calling people, trying to get FOIAs, Freedom of Information Act requests that we file uh, for certain disappearances that were covered or are going to get covered, just counseling behind the scenes, trying to network uh, guests, getting to know each other a little better. We do all of that for free here. And the reason we can do that, though, for free is from the support of you, the listeners. We want to keep being able to do that. So while you're watching tonight, maybe you want to hit the super chat button down there with the rectangle with the dollar sign in the middle. I don't know how many people understand. I know a lot of you have been with Unfound for a very long time, but we are picking up new people all the time. I just don't want everybody to think this is just a podcast. We do a lot more than just putting out the podcast every Friday. As you know, I um, go, have gone and spoken at schools. I've written some books, although they're not out right now for a variety of reasons. But uh, some of my assistants, in fact, one in particular, working hard on a disappearance that Unfound covered over a year ago behind the scenes, finding out a lot of new information there. So I think it's a worthy cause. It's a worthy podcast. So please consider contributing. And also, maybe you want to go over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast or PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. So let's see who's in here and I'll get into the agenda for tonight. Uh, Nephew Charles, what's going on? Good to see you, Karen. Rock on, Charles. Fishing is in here early. Oh, my goodness. Hello, Carrie. Assistant Carrie, what's going on? Uh, Carrie did uh, a very, very nice thing for me last week. Um, She called me up. I think I could say this. She called me up over Messenger, and her grandson, Bentley, was with her. So I got to talk to Bentley a little bit and wave hi to him. He got to see me. I got to see him. It was fantastic. Thank you, Carrie. And then fishing, uh, marketing, uh, the business there, C&J's Pro Cleaning Services. I want you to all know that is a uh, free advertising for them. Uh, I am not getting a cut of anything (laughs) that they're doing here. Just putting it right there in the chat. Okay, fishing. Hello, Mark. What's going on? Hello, Paula. Jasmine, the real from Australia. Lori, Katie, Charlie Bravo doing moderating tonight as her Astros kick my buckos butt. Glenn, what's going on, Glenn? How are you with the little pink wavy thing? I like that. Suzanne, Twinkle, Kathy. Thank you, Barbara. Everybody, thank you, everybody, for showing up. Maybe um, uh, you want to uh, do some talking in between all of each other uh, while you are in there. So thank you all for... Uh, tuning in and making some time on this Monday night. And of course, to all of you who catch this the next day as a podcast, audio form only, I appreciate you being subscribers. And um, I hope you are enjoying uh, this as a podcast. It's been going on for a while now. I forget exactly when I 
started making this a podcast. Um, but I think so well, it has gone uh, fairly well. So what's going on with me before I get into all of the stuff I want to talk about tonight? Um, how about my man Phil Mickelson this weekend? Uh, getting it done at the Masters. And uh, nobody was more surprised than I was. You know, I have to admit that since he's gone over to live golf, and of course they have problems getting uh, attention on TV and everything, I really haven't had a chance to watch him very much. And then who would have thunk that when I do get to watch him, he uh, comes in second in the Masters at 52 years old. Um, lost by four strokes, but uh, still a fantastic showing by him. Uh, Sunday, he shot the lowest score on the course in the round four, which is amazing considering, you know, a lot of the guys he's playing against are half his age. And they had to play out there in the cold and the rain and Phil finishing strong. So, uh, and you should know uh, this fr- uh, Friday, uh, some of you know, it's, I'll get into it more about this later, but since I'm talking about him, I did get a question that I will answer regarding my attitude toward Phil and other golfers going to live golf and taking money from the Saudis. I will be answering that question this Friday. Although, you know me, I like to stay away from politics and religion and things like that. But I do have thoughts on it. I'm glad that somebody asked me that to give me the opportunity. Obviously, this person knows that I'm a big Phil Mickelson fan. I've been a fan of his for about uh, 20 years, even before he won his first major, even though I've never played ball golf. So go figure. And before that, uh, my favorite athlete was Andre Agassi, and I'm not much of a tennis player either. So, you know, it's me. I, I don't know why that is. But I will be answering that question this Friday. Um, what else is going on? Played, uh, speaking of sports, I played a little disc golf this weekend. Did not play poorly, even though I re- really have not had time to get out and practice very much because of, uh, I've been getting a lot of work done here at home. Um, but, uh, played decently well on Saturday. The putting hurt me. I missed putts on numbers one, two, and three. And then I missed a putt on 15. So I missed four putts. I shot four under. I could have easily been eight under just like that. Uh, Threw it really well. Only had one bogey. Had some anxiety out there, but no big deal. And four down is, you know, considering once again, I haven't been practicing, um, is okay. And I didn't embarrass myself. And uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, Twinkle says, welcome to our new subscribers. You're going to have an interesting night here. Uh, yes, they are Twinkle fishing says, yes, go Phil. Marty says, Phil is killing it. Art Vandelay. That's funny. It was the hair for sure. It's always the hair art. It's always the hair. So that's all really. I want to, uh, talk about, uh, regarding anything other than true crime stuff. Even though Friday is the Q&A episode, I will take questions tonight if you'd like to ask me any. But uh, you should know, I already have a long list of questions uh, that I have to record starting tomorrow. I'm going to be spending a lot of time 
at this microphone uh, over the next two days recording answers to these questions. Uh, because you have to realize when I do a regular episode, um, you know, I only, re- you know, record a very small part of it where it's just me. It's like seven minutes at the beginning and then four or five minutes at the end. I only spend like, you know, 12 minutes speaking into this microphone. Well, I do make mistakes and I have to record things just to get it right. But you know what I mean? I don't spend a lot of time in front of this microphone for a po- the podcast because why? Because interviews make up most of it. Most of them, not, you know, 97% of the runtime is that interview. And, but uh, this week is spending a lot of time, just as I will be in a couple weeks for the update episode. So let's get to the true crime stuff. Uh, unfound business. Uh, first, want to talk about the Athel Turner episode that came out this Friday. I hope all of you found it interesting that we went to New Zealand. Need to give a shout out to my uh, assistant, uh, Emily, who was able to track uh, Tanya down. I'm still, I have to admit, I'm still not sure how Emily did it. I'm not sure how she did it. I don't know if I ever asked. If I asked, I forget what the answer was. But uh, Tanya, uh, of course, listened to the episode. She thought it was really good. She gave uh, the podcast a lot of compliments. And uh, happy to help uh, her out, even though um, I think as I measured 8,150 8, miles away, I am from Nelson, New Zealand. As the, and that's as the crow flies. If I were going to take a flight from here, who knows how many miles it would be. I'd go from, you know, I don't even know which way you go. Tampa to L.A. And then to New Zealand, to Auckland, and then maybe you have to take another little plane over to Nelson or a boat or something. Who knows how many miles that is? So, um, because when I measured it, I actually just, you know, just did a straight line or, it's, you know, one of those, whatever you call it. It's a straight line, but of course it's curved because the earth is round. You know, I just drew a straight line on Google Maps from Clearwater Beach to Nelson, and that's what it was. But, you know, that's not how the plane flies. So... A long ways away, and um, uh, I, I, you know, I hope to stay in contact with her. And so there you go. Uh, we had a chance. Uh, I did put the poll in the discussion group, and I asked everyone who took who wanted to take part, what happened to Alpha Turner. I gave the the options that was he murdered, was it foul play. Did he is he deceased because of his health slash addiction issues, or is he still alive out there somewhere? And easily the most popular answer is that Athel was no longer with us due to his health and addiction. Now you should know uh, that um, while I'm on the topic, that that is the same answer. Uh, that was the most popular answer. I think going back to Brandon Roberts' disappearance from very early this year, 2023. And as we now know, he is still alive. We can only hope that uh, Tanya and her family, you know, somehow end up being fortunate that Athel pops up on the radar alive uh, sometime. It would just be, of course, it's been six years, so there's that. But as we know, as I've told you already, that Brandon Roberts is alive. And actually, I texted back and forth with his mother today asking how he's doing, and he continues to recover. 
So, um, you know, everything seems to be going in a very positive direction there. I think you all know that when you get burned, and I don't know how much he was burned. It sounds like it was pretty severe. We know that it can be very touchy. Uh, when you get scars like that on your skin, your skin does a lot to protect uh, the rest of your body from infection. And when your skin gets very weak, uh, can get all sorts of problems can pop up, especially infections. But everything seems to be going uh, as smoothly as possible. And it's been, what has it been now, like a month or something since, or even more, that we all found out that Brandon is still alive. So uh, things, I think, are going as well as they, they can be. Hope he makes a full recovery. And on top of that, um, that he can maybe uh, now get a handle, uh, you know, and put those addictions and things, um, you know, behind him, hopefully. But getting back to Athel, um, the discussion group decided that he uh, went missing and hasn't been found due to his health and, and drug issues. The think tank also decided uh, the same. And if you'd like to be a part of the think tank, Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Become a premium member at the $12 a month level and you get all sorts of things, including the think tank. Come in, take part, get your opinions heard, uh, offer some your own insights into the disappearance, and that information then gets taken back to the guest. Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And then for me, uh, the blog that I write every week or almost every week, at patreon.com. I also do an audio version of it that usually ends up being, I don't know, 18, 19 minutes long, something like that. I, um, you know, I've decided that he also succumbed to his health and addiction issues as well. Now, on that point, though, I had a chance to Really, uh, even though it was a blog technically about Athel Turner, I spent a lot of it writing about the state of disappearances around the world. And what I mean by that is that every a lot of countries do not treat disappearances the way we do in the United States. And in fact, I hope, uh, you know, I think that we know that there are certain countries with certain governments where the governments actually disappear people and using disappear not as a, you know, using it as a transitive verb. I disappear, you know, somebody. And so the government shows up in the middle of the night, knocks on your door, and suddenly, uh, you know, you're whisked away. To parts unknown, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are killed or or murdered or tortured or anything, but maybe you get taken to a re-education camp or you're on house arrest for a while, things like that. And I even brought up uh, in the discussion in the you know we talked about this in the think tank regarding that tennis player, female tennis player from China who a few years ago came out with the allegations that somebody within the Communist Party had sexually assaulted her, and then suddenly she could not be reached. <laughs> she wasn't in being allowed to, She wasn't being allowed out of China. She couldn't go play in any tournaments. No media could reach her, and she disappeared for a while. But then when she came back, 
Uh, what did she say? Oh, this was all just a misunderstanding or something. These are the kind of things uh, that I got to writing about in the blog on Patreon this week. So once again, if you'd like to read what I had to say there, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And I don't know what it is about me breaking things down into threes, but I did break that discussion on into three different categories of countries and how they treat disappearances. There are those countries where disappearances are treated as a concern. There are those countries that uh, sometimes treat disappearances as a, con- as a concern. And then there are those countries who aren't concerned about disappearances at all. And then I put in parentheses, well, it depends. So I had an opportunity to write about that, enjoyed it. Just We just have to remember that there are many parts of the world where people go missing and surely they're not handled like they are in the United States, in New Zealand, in Canada, and, you know, in other countries we might consider to be uh, countries that respect human rights and, and, and things like that. So, uh, in fact, there's many, uh, a lot of the world is not like this. And I, I was uh, happy to write about that. And, you know, I don't know, I would, I'm, I might like to one of these days soon cover a disappearance in a country where disappearances are treated differently. You know, maybe we'll get around one of these days to uh, talking about a person uh, who went missing in a country. And it is really, really, truly believed that the government had something to do with it because of something the person was doing this, the, something the uh, the person was saying because it's happening every day. It, it, it really is. So we'll just have to see about that. Um, but I certainly would not pass up that opportunity. Uh, Carrie says, because uh, Emily found Tanya, the guest, because Emily is a beast with everything she does. She is. Carrie says, with severe burns, you have lifelong issues. True. It's true, Carrie. Um, you know, you just have to watch yourself. Uh, Veronica says, hi, Ed, Chad. Hope everyone had a good day and everything is going well. Hello, Veronica. What's going on, Veronica? Hello, Donna. Good to see you as well. So, uh, Shuri, no comment on your Astros kicking my pirate's butt this evening. No comment on that. Okay, so that was Athel Turner. As you know, I will try to keep in contact with uh, Tanya, and I know she has done some things since the episode even came out, or even since I did the interview with her, reaching out to the police. So we'll see if anything uh, comes from that. Uh, moving on, uh, I hope all of you, of course, you know, some of you actually have social lives out there, and I don't mean social media on Saturday nights, uh, posting uh, TikTok videos of you dancing around in your pajamas and your bunny slippers. Some of you actually have social lives. You go out, you go out to dinner, maybe go to a bar, maybe go to the movies and everything else. But for everybody else, <laughs> um, on Saturday night, uh, I got together with Trisha from the Web Sluice YouTube channel, of course, websluice.com. You know that she was on Unfound a few weeks ago, did a fantastic interview. 
Really enjoyed having her on. Very, uh, I think it was a positive experience for her and for everybody that listened. Well, as you heard in that interview, I kind of invited invited myself. I'm not saying she wouldn't ask anyway, but I kind of invited myself um, onto her show, and, and uh, she was uh, graciously accepted. <laughs> but we had a great time. And uh, what do we talk about? Just a little bit of how I got started. We talked a little bit about Flight 370. Um, talked about a couple disappearances. And I, th- I thought it re- went real well. You should know that I did watch it again after it was over. Just to see how I did. Because I don't get interviewed very often. Even with like the shows that I do with Dr. Telesco now. Those really aren't interviews, so I don't get interviewed that often. And I uh, just wanted to see if I I did okay, and I thought I did fine. Uh, and I think uh, looking at the comments for the video, I think everybody thought that I did well. And uh, there were people who had never heard of Unfound before. I, you know, I don't. If you're in true crime, I don't know why that is, but welcome aboard. And. I can even tell just since Saturday, as I mentioned earlier in the show tonight, that uh, I've noticed uh, a, a, an increase in the subscri- subscriptions to this YouTube channel since Saturday. You can see this little spike, and it's surely because of that. So thank you, Trisha, for having me on. We should do that more often. I would love to go on there and uh, talk uh, about whatever is going on, if she will have me again. Uh, Shree says, regarding her Astros, I don't want to jinx it, although Astros are World Series bound. Sorry for your loss. You look very sorry, Shree. You look very sorry. Marty, that was a great episode. Great Q&A session. Oh, but yeah, with me and Trisha, yeah. It was good. It was good. Sure, what a fun time Saturday night. So cool to see you on Web Sleuths. It's, uh, like I said, um, you know, it's a little bizarre for me. I even said this going back to when Trisha was on a few weeks ago that never could I have suspected when I first signed up for Web Sleuths back, you know, I got my first account. Like I said, had to have been 2004, 2005, something like that. And then all these years later, of course, YouTube didn't even exist back then. Podcasting didn't exist back then. And then to say, you know, if somebody would have told me back then, you know, like almost 20 years from now, you're going to be interviewing the owner of Web Sleuth, and then she's going to turn around and interview you about what you're doing and what she's doing and everything. It's so bizarre. It really, you know, it really, really is. Um, You know, you just can't predict these things. Um, Sharice says Rockford will be in here soon talking crap about the Astros. So we'll all balance out. That's funny. Yeah. Rockford's not in here yet tonight. Maybe he's busy. Breakaway from Trisha's stream here watching now. Hello, breakaway. And then there's, oh yeah, there's Rockford right there. Look, there is Rockford breakaway. Thank you for, um, tuning in tonight. Uh, this is what we do. I've been, if you don't know breakaway, um, I've been doing this live show since like the fall of 2017. It used to be on Tuesdays on Facebook Live, 
And then it went to Wednesdays on Facebook Live. And then it was on Wednesdays on here on YouTube for a long time. And then at the begin, when was it, Sheree? The beginning of this year? I, or maybe even longer ago than that, uh, it got moved to Mondays uh, to create a, a better workflow for me. And then I've turned this live show into a, a podcast as well that's available on all the places that you can find the Friday podcast too. So I've been doing this for a while and thank you for tuning in. Uh, Carrie says, just when I was going to comment about Sheree's restraints on Astros, welcome break right on the Sheree Carrie. Ed was so happy to talk to Bentley the other day. So cute. He's uncle Ed. Now I can be uncle Ed. I mean, I, I, I have, uh, of course, nephews and a niece, Charlie, John and Ashley, but I think I can fit one more in. I think so. I got the time. And yes, Carrie, I did tell Sheree what you did and it was fantastic. That was so good. He said, sure. Here's what he said. Here's what Bentley said. He said, well, you know, he's not here. He said, well, he, you know, it's cold wherever they were, I guess in Missouri or wherever you are, Carrie, that, uh, in, in Bentley said, we could just put his jacket on. It's so funny. It's, it's just so good. It's just so good. Breakaway says, uh, for sure. Glad to be here. And thank you, Sheree. Thanks for the welcome. Hello, Lisa. You're late. That's fine. Lisa, Carrie, who could deny a Bentley? I cannot deny a Bentley, Carrie. Funny way to put it. Okay, so Web Sleuths. And Trisha, thank you for having me. Let's go to some news. Let's, um, let's talk about... I got at least three really, really bizarre true crime stories tonight. It uh, wasn't planned that way. That's just how it ended up. But I'm going to start with this one. And this is probably the most bizarre of the three, but it it just depends on who you are. Once I read the other two, you might think, well, that is really crazy too. How can these things be? Oh, they be, to quote uh, Elaine Bennis uh, from Seinfeld uh, on a particular episode that's one of my favorites. The, if you, if some of you are, um, uh, when she says, Oh, it be, how could this be? Jerry says, and Elaine says, Oh, it be. And if you don't know what episode it is, it's the one, uh, where they go, it, it out, out that episode. Anyway, this story comes to you from a, a state I just mentioned, Missouri, Lebanon, Missouri. I don't, um, maybe Carrie knows where that is. The Lebanon Police Department has identified remains found in a burned car in March. Now the family's speaking out after wondering what happened for more than three decades. Police say the remains belonged to 71-year-old Stephen E. Wynn. Uh, Wynn went missing in August of 91. Uh, so when he went missing in August 91, that's the, that's the month, August 1st, that I turned 21. From Kansas City, where he lived with his wife, Christine, and their children. According to police, his family did not have contact with him for 32 years. It's just layers of reaction. First, it was shocking, said Chrissy George, the oldest granddaughter. She was just a child when her grandfather went missing. It sounds so cold, but it was amazement. You were amazed at this mystery in your family for over 30 years that's been like in the balance. 
You're having closure. You know what happened, said George. Two years, what has been discovered is two years after Stephen went missing, police found out he applied. They just found out this recently. Police found out he applied for and received an Illinois driver's license under the name of his wife, Christine Wynn. Later on, Christine eventually married Robert Bouchard and changed her name to Christine Bouchard. So Stephen Wynn became Christine Wynn, then became Christine Bouchard. And Robert, the guy Christine married, I'm going to watch my pronouns here. Uh, Robert, the husband, died years ago. On March 19th, Lebanon firefighters put out a car fire in the parking lot, 1140 Mill Creek Road, where a budget inn hotel is located around 2 a.m. That is where the remains of Christine, formerly Stephen Wynn, were found. Authority has also investigated who owned the car, a 1979 Chrysler New Yorker. Wow. I didn't even know if any of those were still on the road. Investigators found several items that led them to Wynn's former wife in Camdenton, Christine Bouchard. According to investigators, relatives confirmed that Christine Bouchard died in 2018. So Stephen Wynn... The woman he was married to when he went missing in 1991 died a few years ago. Bouchard's home in Camden had been recently sold. It's a very unique situation. It's a very sad story for both parties involved. You have a family whose father, their loved one, went missing 30 plus years ago and assumed the identity of someone else, his ex-wife or his former wife or his wife. And they had no idea that they thought that maybe this person was dead. But to later find out that this person was very much alive and now dead is heartbreaking, said Detective Sergeant Casey Springer with the Lebanon Police Department. There there was documentation that this particular incident was likely self-inflicted. There was also several items that belonged to Christine slash Stephen Wynn's children, said Sergeant Springer. George says while the family is still processing, they they do have some comfort. At least we can take comfort in knowing that if he wasn't with us and sharing our life, he was sharing his life with someone else that you know appreciated it because you can tell them through the letters that they very much appreciated each other, said the granddaughter. And you should know something on top of everything else. Stephen Wynn had been declared deceased back in the 90s. He was not deceased. He changed his ID and I guess became a woman. And got married. And he was, she was with this guy until this guy, Robert, died a a few years ago. And now we know that the person formerly known as Stephen Wynn committed suicide. And in a 1979 Chrysler New Yorker. And that is how this disappearance got resolved. Now. So here's what I did when I, and this story just happened within the, it just came out within the last few days. And I posted in the discussion group. And as you can imagine, uh, the response to it, you know, this isn't the kind of disappearance resolution story that you hear every day. Uh, We're going to, I think before I'm done here, if I have the time, we're going to talk about a a guy who's been missing for a long time, was found in his car in a canal uh, here in Florida. Uh, We're going to, you know, and I have a couple other crazy stories. But I took the time to kind of look into this. And unfortunately, 
not on Charlie Project because he was deceased. He was declared deceased well before the Charlie Project ever got started. So I, I think in those cases, Megan doesn't put those people on her list. Maybe she does. But Stephen Wynn, to my knowledge, was never on the Charlie Project. He's not on NamUs. Why? Because he was declared deceased. So you can't really go back uh, to look at, you know, you can't look at those databases to get a better handle on this. So what I did was I went to newspapers.com. There were never any stories in the 1990s written about Stephen Wynn's disappearance. Not one. Not one. So then I did this. And here's where I think it gets a little bit interesting. And I think that this is something that, you know me, I'm all about the education. No matter how mundane or rare a disappearance is, I look at it from a standpoint of, is there something that we can learn about this that we can apply elsewhere? So what I did was I went to, to a database that I use called peoplelooker.com. And what I did was, well, you know what I did. I typed in the name Christine Burchard. And it's a very unique spelling of the Christine. It's not like C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. His wife's name, which he took, was K-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And then Burchard is not a very, of course, that spelling is very rare. And then the last name is fairly rare, not as rare as Denzel, but, and so I just put the name into the People Looker database. Now, and guess what I found? People Looker gives you a lot of different things there. Uh, former addresses, former phone numbers, current phone numbers, current addresses, former or current email uh, addresses, relatives, gives you a lot of information. And yes, uh, I do pay for that. But what it also gives you are aliases. It gives you, it, and of course, like any database that you're going to find on the internet, nothing's perfect. A lot of these days, databases have a lot of mistakes in them, and that's why you have to kind of cross-reference and go back and forth between a couple of you know different ones before you really are sure you have the correct information. And guess what I found? That Christine Burchard, this database, People Looker, one of the aliases that was connected to Christine Burchard was Stephen Wynn. So being that his family didn't, it doesn't seem like they did anything. All I'm showing you is that if somebody had been really, really curious about all this, couldn't have done this back in the 90s. Uh, these databases didn't even exist. And in fact, you maybe could have done this 10 years ago, but I'm not sure about that. But certainly, if somebody within the last 10 years had gotten a little curious, you know what? I'm going to look up. You know, I know we, you know, he was dis- declared deceased way back when. Let's when let's just see what happens when I put Stephen Wynn's name into one of these databases. Even though he was declared deceased, because deceased people do come up 
on many of these databases, even before some of these databases got started, before they were ever created. All I'm saying is there was a scientific, logical way right there in front of everybody that could have shown that Stephen Wynn had become Christine Bouchard. It just got missed, probably because nobody thought of doing it. Now, who would have? <laughs> but it was there. It was there. It was certainly not hidden. Uh, it was certainly not, uh, you know, locked. It was not a, a puzzle inside of an enigma inside inside Fort Knox. It was kind of right there in plain view if you knew where to look. And like I said, I went in there, put Christine Burchard. Now you should know a lot of different aliases came up, but Stephen Wynn was in there. And it's, it's, um, it's interesting to me also, because I think if somebody had done this, what would have tipped somebody off is what are the odds that a woman whose name is Christine Bouchard with that odd spelling of the first name, this person spells their first name, her first name, exactly like Stephen's wife did, but then this Christine Bouchard, one of her aliases is Stephen Wynn. What are the odds of that? So, um, you know, and I don't know, uh, uh, was... Did did Stephen have a sex change? Transgendered? I really, I, I, I guess I really don't care about those things. But um, it was right there. It was right right there. Uh, if everybody, if anybody would have seen that, and they would have said, you know what, this is weird. You know, you might have, in retrospect, once again, kind of reverse engineering this. If like one of his grandchildren who might know how to use the, the internet really well goes to one of these databases, you know what? I'm just going to put my grand missing grandfather's name in here and see what happens. Stephen Wynn. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to put my I, deceased grandmother's name in Christine Wynn. And oh, look at this. There's, there's a woman out there who has the same spelling, but the last name is Bouchard. Well, that's kind of weird. That first name's so rare. I'm going to go look her up. And you'll start looking at her, and when you start going through her information, you say, wait a minute. Why, why was at one time Christine Burchard known as Stephen Wynn? That's my grandfather. What is going on here? Once again, reverse engineering it, that's probably how it could have happened. Didn't. I guess what I'm also saying here is that there are surely – a few disappearances that Unfound has covered that are like this, where there's information that is kind of right in front of our faces if we knew where to look. It's not hidden. It's not buried figuratively or literally. It's there. We just haven't come across it yet, though, of course, the example I always give is Eric Franks. It was right there uh, for all of us to see. 
all of us it may, you know, I'm, you know, I'm very hard on myself, but had I known about Gerald Rutledge and Kendra being his caregiver at one time, I know being that the car was missing, I know. And, it, and was it a secret? I don't think it was it certainly didn't come up in the episode, but I don't necessarily think it was a secret. I think people knew that she was a caregiver and maybe it should have tipped maybe it should have tipped me off. Well, maybe she would have done something. But if I'd have known Gerald Rutledge, I certainly would have gone and taken a look at his house, see if he lives out in the country, uh, and things. And what would I have what would I have found? I would have gone to Street View. He lives in in that town. And I would have noticed that before Eric went missing, his garage doors had windows. And after he went missing, the garage doors got changed to doors with no windows. And that would have tipped me off. That would have been enough for me to think, I bet Eric Frank's car is in that garage. That would have been enough. You just get a feel for these things. So it was right there for everybody to see, right there in Google Street View, if everyone wanted to see, if we knew where to look. And I am convinced that doesn't mean these people are alive. Of course, Eric Franks is most likely not. But I am convinced that there is information out there on the internet for many of Unfound's disappearances that is right there for all of us to see. We just don't know where to look that could really break open these disappearances. I am convinced. Now that I know about Eric Franks, now that I know about this one, it just proves it to me more. It really does. So what a, uh, you know, a story. And, you know, how many, maybe I should describe it this way. How many disappearances of Unfound covered where I think people ran off? Of course, I just talked about Brandon Roberts, who was missing a foral. He's alive, very happy. But how many have we covered where people might have run off and changed their name and, uh, you know, living under assumed name, new social security number and all of those things. I'm not sure how many there are, but what I would say for those families, those disappearances where I think it might be possible. Those families should do this, this go in there to some database Put in your missing your missing uh, loved one's name, and see if any aliases or anything kind of strange pops up. You know that person really well. You know all your relatives. You know where the person's lived. Does anything weird pop up? If it does, you need to go investigate that. If some address is connected to your missing person that you know he or she never lived there in some other state or something. It is certainly worth looking into. The odds are not great, but I think this proves that it's worth your time. And I think that if Stephen Wynn's family had done this, like I said, not one 1990s when he went missing, the internet didn't exist. But had they done that within like the last 10 years and really worked at it, I think that they would have figured out that uh, Stephen Wynn was still alive, li- a living, you know, as a woman with a different name. I think they would have figured that out. Pretty sure. Just amazing. But families, do database searches. Do that. Any weird names or locations and things connected to your missing person, go find, go look that stuff up.
Um, Carrie says, I know which story you're talking about. I know where all locations are relevant. Carrie says the vehicle that was on fire is the vehicle he disappeared in. So Stephen Wynn still had the same car from 30 some years ago. Wow. A 1979 Chrysler, New Yorker. I wonder how much money Stephen slash Christine had to sink into that car to keep it running for all those years. A Chrysler, New Yorker. I mean, those, those late 70s Chryslers were like the worst cars made on the planet at that time. So I, I can give Christine all the, all the accolades in the world to keep a 1979 Chrysler, New Yorker on the road. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, Shree says that's a crazy story. Carrie locals are now saying the car was stored under another name somewhere and he pulled it out to end his life. That's interesting, Carrie. Well, if you got any local, uh, hubbub on that, send it to me, Carrie. Uh, I would like to continue to read about this, not because it's bizarre, but because I want to put this in the Ed Denzel database for future reference. Carrie probably would have just thought it was the wife. Carrie, I would have looked, but disregarded it. Okay, Carrie, that's fine. All right, let's move on. So what a story. And uh, it's made national news uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I'm going to talk about this later uh, where I give you a little bit of an, uh, a little bit of a preview of some of the questions I'll be answering this Friday. But it's not too late. I want to remind all of you, it is not too late to get your questions in for this Friday's Q&A episode. I've not started recording it yet. Recording starts tomorrow morning and it will only tomorrow. It will only be interrupted by me going to play Taylor doubles disc golf doubles tomorrow evening from about five o'clock to eight o'clock. Otherwise I'm going to be sitting right here with this microphone answering your questions. And I'm really, really looking forward to it, but it's not too late. Anything you want to ask me unfound podcast at gmail.com. Gotten some spectacular questions. There are going to be a lot, even though this is the fifth ep- episode, uh, annual episode. There's going to be a lot of questions I've never answered before, and I love it. Pretty short. Moving on, uh, I want to talk about the correction that I had to make to the Jason Landry map. I don't know. As I stated, I made it at the time. And then somebody local to the area contacted me, and there was kind of a troll too. But somebody said, you know, uh, this location of the wreck is off. And when I looked at it, I was like, wow, that person's right. How did I mess that up? I still don't know how I messed it up. So I had to go back and redo it. I only did like the second half of it redo. The first 17 minutes are the same as the first video. And then I just spliced in the corrected uh, second half of the video still ends up being almost like a half hour long or something. But if you're not aware, I made a corrected video. The other one is technically not deleted. It's just unlisted now. You can't find it, but it's still on in the on YouTube account uh, because there are links out there. And I'm hoping if anybody, I'm not, you know, the links are out there everywhere now. So I'm hoping that you know, when somebody clicks on the link somewhere down the road, they'll go to that, but then see, oh, you know what? It's been corrected, you know, go over here. So I'm not deleting that video. It's just unlisted now. You can't search for it anything. But for all new people, if they do a search for any Jason Landry stuff, they'll get the corrected video. But that was my fault, not Kent's fault, nobody else's fault. I mean, as many times as I've 
looked at that map. Of course, Cherie has been there and done the video and everything. I don't know how I messed it up. I, I, did I type the address in wrong or did I, the mouse slip? I, I don't know. But in the end, it's right now. It's certainly good analysis. And um, so I apologize for that. Nobody did to blame but myself. Uh, breakaway. The Jason Landry case is so fascinating. Aiding and wild. Where is he? Well, that's up uh, for discussion, breakaway. Um, I will tell you that my experience tells me that uh, these kinds of disappearances end up with the missing person being not more than a couple miles away. There are exceptions. But when we start looking at uh, like a disappearance that we covered here on Found Robbie Hurt, very similar, and a disappearance that we didn't cover, Brandon Lawson, they were found very, very close to their vehicles. And that's usually the way it goes. Now, why hasn't that happened with Jason's? I can't say. I can't say. But the stats, history says that Jason is within just a couple miles of where his car was found. And I realize there are uh, people who believe he got picked up. There are people who believe they got hit by a car and somebody wanted to cover their butt and all these things. There are no facts to rule that out. It's just anybody who has that theory, I'm not sure they understand how rare, 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 rare those, those kinds of disappearances and incidents are. Me, I like to default to what is most common. And then if then I start looking, are there any facts to pull me away from what the most common outcome is for this type of disappearance? And I don't see any facts that pull me away from the most common resolution to these types of disappearances. And that is the person stumbled off, collapsed somewhere, and searches just didn't find them. And then the animals come along and then... Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Um, breakaway. Fascinating being being tragic, not in a good way. I got you, breakaway. Hope that doesn't sound bad, not mentally. I I, I got you, breakaway. Sheree says, I agree. He's out there off of Saltgrass Road uh, where Sheree was. Thank you for taking the pictures and video. Uh, thank you, breakaway. I wonder what happened with his clothes being found, but not him. Just so odd. Um it's, you know, it's one of those things, Breakaway, where he was obviously traveling at a decent speed. And the last thing you want to do in some type of wreck, where his car hit is the last spot you ever want to be hit in a wreck. And where is it? On the driver's side. Had he hit the fence front ways? Had he hit it with the back of his car? Had he hit it with the passenger side of the car? Probably a totally different outcome to all of this. But he spun that car around and hit that fence. Now, it's not the sturdiest of fences, but a tree just happens to be there. The post just happens to be there. And that is would be uh, a car coming to a very quick stop. And, you know, right there in the driver's side. And, you know, I think that plays a huge role uh, in this disappearance. It's, it's, it's really no different than you going through an intersection, somebody uh, blowing a stoplight 
and hitting you, maybe not at 60 miles an hour, maybe at 20 miles an hour on your driver's side. That's the kind of wreck that Jason Landry was in. We know it's very dangerous. Intersections, of course, in England and elsewhere, you have your, you know, those roundabouts, the circles. Here in the United States, it's all four-way stops. And we know what happens when somebody goes through a stop sign, goes through a red light. Um, those are some of the most horrific crashes that you're ever going to see on the streets in the United States. Um, uh, salt flat road, not salt grass. Gotcha. Correcting myself. That's fine. Clay, totally agree with you regarding Jason Landry. One thing that came out of this was that the paradoxical undressing is followed by burying somewhere. Never heard of that before this. I read that K Klein. Um, Somebody who obviously uh, takes an interest in that, you know, the body, how the body reacts under stress, under cold conditions and concussion conditions and everything. And, you know, there's so much up in this this very, um, you know, very uh, advanced brain of ours. Our brain is very advanced, of course, compared to all other animals on the earth. But down in there somewhere... Uh, we're just all a bunch of Neanderthals or something, <laughs> you know, we're all devolved, you know, de- you know, when something like that happens, uh, we kind of, uh, devolve or, or something. Um, but so I, I'm not educated enough. I really did not look into that, but if somebody wrote that, it sounds reasonable to me. I certainly know that in hypothermia conditions, the brain gets to the point where you start taking clothes off instead of keeping them on. Who knows what's going on up there? And of course, the person doesn't even realize what's going on. The, the, the you know, the, the consciousness, you know, your awareness, your self-awareness is totally gone at that point. Totally gone. Unlike if you were to go uh, jump into a pool on a cold night and it's very cold, obviously, you're right away. Oh, man, this is cold. I got to get out of here. That's your, you know, that's your senses talking. That's your very conscious, aware part talking. And you get down to the part where your body, your brain starts to break down. It's one of the first thing I guess that goes. So moving on, uh, I had uh, posted this in the group, but I did want to follow up on this because I kind of left this hanging last live show. Uh, if you'll remember last week, we had a short discussion about the disappearance of Michael Negretti, N-E-G-R-E-T-E. And I had been asked, had I ever talked to his family? Have I had ever considered covering his disappearance? And uh, although the name is familiar to me, uh, I knew that I had not. But in thinking about that, I started thinking, but there was a disappearance in California of a young man where I did uh, reach out to the family. The family got back to me, but declined. They didn't want to take part. Totally fine. And I couldn't think of the name last week, and so it took me a little while. Uh, but as I've said many times, I don't throw anything away. I have um, the notes uh, from conversations I had with people way back when the Unf- when Unfound got started. Even people who have never been on uh, the podcast, I still have notes uh, from them. And then, and you know, I have recordings. Of course, I get permission. Um, to record those conversations. I have all those. I don't throw anything away. But the young man that I couldn't, his name I could not think of last week was Derek Seahausen. 
and he went missing like back in the 1990s. Well, I'd reached out to his family. And I think his father had gotten back to me and said, we're just not interested. That was, that was very early on in Unfound's existence. If you remember um, Derek uh, College uh, in LA and college in LA, maybe even in the medical program or something, but he was last seen at an ATM. He had borrowed money from a friend, paid that guy off, and then never to be seen again. It is not believed that this friend of his had anything to do with his disappearance. So that was the missing young man that I was trying to think of last week. It just wasn't coming to me. And Derek Seahausen, if you want to look that up, S-E-E-H-A-U-S-E-N. Moving on, uh, let's go to my next very unique, very rare, very strange uh, story for all of you. And this comes to us from Marion County, Texas. So we're going from the state of Cary to the state of Cherie. So this is another one. I think it's uh, a couple people. Have, uh, this is just something that I saw today, but a couple people have responded in the discussion group because I posted it uh, or somebody else posted it. Yeah. Somebody else posted it and I saw it and I was like, what? Yeah, it was Paula. Weren't you Paula? You were the one, if you're in here, Paula, you were the one who posted this and just to read it on its surface, it just sounds so bizarre, but I think we're getting a little more uh, context to the story, but here's the story. Marion County, Texas, and this just happened. Texas authorities said a woman was found alive inside a submerged Jeep Friday morning. Going to read that again. Texas authorities said a woman was found alive inside a submerged Jeep Friday morning. According to a report from the Marion County Sheriff's Office, an emergency emergency dispatcher received a call from a fisherman who reported seeing a black Jeep submerged about 40 feet from the Woody's Camp boat ramp. So the Jeep is underwater. I don't know if it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of those uh, Wranglers or whatever. I don't know. Or, yeah. But a black Jeep, the reported seeing a black Jeep submerged. So submerged means the entire vehicle is underwater, about 40 feet from the Woody's Camp boat ramp. Deputies employed the use of a local wrecker service to pull the Jeep from the water. As the crew was preparing to remove the vehicle, it was discovered a person was still inside it and moving. Now, we have to think about all of the time it would have taken for a fisherman to see the Jeep in the water, submerged, water over the roof, calls 911, fisherman probably has a cell phone, to the point that a tow truck, I mean 20 minutes, half hour. And so, and then... For somebody to actually, for the for the tow truck, for somebody to actually go out there, hook the cables to the Jeep and pull it out. I mean, we're talking another half hour, probably at least. 
So what we're saying is from the time that this Jeep was seen until it was getting pulled out of the water was an hour, probably. And the person was still alive inside it. That's crazy. With the assistance of the record service, fishermen and Marion County deputies, a woman was safely rescued from the vehicle. EMS responded to the location and transported her to a local hospital. During the incident, deputies determined the woman was listed as a missing person by the Longview, Texas Police Department. Now, to add a little more context to this, I mean, I just. How do you survive underwater in a Jeep for an hour, at least for at least an hour? Remember, the Jeep was already in the water, seemingly when the fisherman got there. So how long had this Jeep been in the water with her in it? We don't know. But it had to have at least taken an hour. Now, we know that cars are not waterproof. You put any car underwater with the windows up, you can close all the vents and everything. Water is going to find its way inside. Now, it may take a while. It may take a while. But, why? you know, cars are not waterproof. May uh, You know, the only vehicle that I can think that might be waterproof on the road these days or the, is the car that the president of the United States rides in. That's about it. You know, I know that we have like uh, off-road vehicles that have like those snorkels that are really high so you can go through deep water. Yeah, they can go through deep water, but you leave that Jeep or whatever uh, in uh, that water long enough, water will find its way in. And so this woman was alive. Now, we should understand something that this woman was listed as a missing person. And so there's some people that have commented on this story in the discussion group on Facebook saying she was a missing person. Somehow she was found with her Jeep and she took off. And this is where she was eventually found. So she goes missing. I don't know who found the missing persons report. I don't know how long she was missing, but somebody happened to see her. This person, this woman ran off. I don't know what her name is. And seemingly she drove right into this lake off this boat ramp. I guess trying to kill herself unsuccessfully. But I just have no idea how you survive underwater in a Jeep for over an hour. And, and let's just, and I realize they're off-road vehicles and everything else. Let's just admit that Jeeps are not the most well-made vehicles that have ever been created. And so, you know, I guess there must have been, I guess there must have been some sort of air pocket or something. I just don't know. Um just thinking about that. Of course, there, and of course, you have to also remember on top of everything else, you know, they're probably, you know, if they're going out, they're probably thinking one of two things. One, the vehicle's empty. <coughs> There's nobody in it. Or if there is somebody in it, person's surely dead by now. Even if the Jeep went in just within the last few hours, surely whoever was in that, that Jeep is deceased. 
So they're probably, you know, the, 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 the tow truck driver shows up and he's like, oh no, I got to go into this deep water. I got to hook this thing up. Just what I wanted to do today. So they're probably not even rushing to do it. And still, it seems that this woman lived. We'll see. You know, I don't, just because she was alive when they poured her out of the water does not mean she's going to survive. We just don't know. But that she even had a heartbeat when she was pulled out of the water is amazing. Imagine, imagine that. Uh, I, I got to believe she went in there on purpose. You're going in there on purpose to kill yourself. Your, your Jeep ends up on the bottom of this lake. And the Jeep, for some reason, does not totally, totally, totally fill with water. I don't know. That is just, uh, to me, that is just as weird a story as the first one I told you about with Stephen Wynn, Christine Burchard. I, I just don't... Um, if anybody has any insight into that and <laughs> at all, you know, maybe if you're into uh, off-roading and driving through deep water or something, I mean, I think by this time we all know about the physics of cars going into water and... The last thing you want to do when you go into the water is right away try to open your door or something. It's not it's not going to open because the pressure on the outside is greater than the pressure on the inside. It's like trying to open a um it's it's like the opposite of trying to open a an airplane uh door. But um what you are supposed to do other than breaking the window if you have an um you know, some sort of hammer or something that can break a window to get out is what you're, you're supposed to do is creepily and scarily, very scary, scary, very scary. You wait till the water fills up inside the car as well. Then the pressure is equalized. And then what you'll find is your car door will open right up. But until that happens, your car door will not open because there's greater pressure. You're trying to push against all the water. Whereas as soon as the pressures equalize on each side of the door, it'll be no different than opening an, opening a door out here in the air. It'll be a little heavier because once again, uh, water is heavier than air, but still you'll be able to open the door and escape. It's that time when you're trying to escape and you know, you're all frantic and everything. I'm trying to get that door open as the water's rising. That's the reason your door won't open. So, what a story. Let's see what everybody's saying. Um, Rockford. C. Hausen was indeed a med student. He disappeared from Echo Park area and the good part of that neighborhood that does that rain now. Kathy says, my late husband lived with his previous girlfriend about two miles from Echo Park. So when he and I dated for almost three years, we spent time around Echo Park. Uh, Kathy is thinking that Jason's, uh, that Derek Seahausen is a suicide. Rockford, I haven't spent much time around Echo Park, but I know that you want to be close to the Silver Lake side. Agree on likelihood of suicide. Rockford, Longview, Texas area reminds me, uh, makes me think of Brandy Wells, of course, which Unfound covered very early on, very, very early on, and remains, in my view, one of the most baffling cases out there. Really, Rockford. Okay. 
I, I have to admit, I'm not as baffled by it. I still think that she ran into the wrong guy, that guy with the white cowboy hat, and he harmed her. But, um, and Breakaway says about this story uh, regarding here in Texas, that is extremely odd. It doesn't make any sense, Glenn. I drive a Wrangler, but I stay on land. Look at you, Glenn. Good one. Gathy Rockford, some parts of Echo K, and uh, that's smart. Cherie says, that's smart, Glenn, yes. <laughs> I can't make any sense of it. I just, um, you know, I guess what's, you know, creepy to think about then is, are we then to believe that some of these people who have gone into water by accident, like Esther Westenbarger, that they didn't die right away. They didn't drown within moments, within minutes. Is that is that what we must be? Are we open to? Wow, scary. Just so cannot imagine it. You know, there you are, just sitting right there on the bottom of the lake. You thought the water was just going to drown you in seconds, and it doesn't. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm happy that she's alive. I hope she survives. And whatever was going on with her, I hope that it all gets figured out. But never could have suspected that. So I re- wanted to read to you. Uh, I wanted to, to make that all uh, aware for all of you. Um, moving on. I actually uh, did an interview. Uh, when was it? Was it, I don't know, today's just got, I think it was on, was it on Friday? Uh, I did an interview and it is going to eventually be on longreads.com. The interviewer, her name is Kathy McDonald and she's doing an article on disappearances. And this is a very important topic to her. Because her brother, James McDonald, went missing from right here in Florida. Uh, James McDonald went missing from Suwannee, Florida, which is about two and a half hours north of here. He went kayaking, uh, never to be seen again. But she is working on this uh, article for longreads.com. She had emailed me uh, early last week. And asked if I would be available to be interviewed, talk about disappearances, talk about the work uh, that I do here. And we had a really good conversation. Not sure uh, when it's going to be coming out, but um, she, of course, will let me know. And, um, you know, once again, it's it's kind of weird in that. I do all these interviews for Unfound, and you know I haven't really been interviewed by anyone for a long time. But then within like two days, I get interviewed like twice. It's so weird. Um, by Kathy McDonald, and then of course by Trisha from WebSleuths on Saturday. So I will keep you posted on that. Um, it seems to me that. She's been working on this for a while. I'm guessing there's going to be other people that she's talked to in there. And it's like a long form type of essay. It's not some like 
news article that you can read. You know, it's like 500 words. I think it's going to be something substantial, and maybe that's why it's called longreads.com. Who knew? But I wanted to let you know about that, but of course also let you know about her brother's disappearance. It is on the Charlie Project. It is on NamUs if you want to look it up. His name is James McDonald. He went missing from Suwannee, S-U-W-A-N-N-E-E, Florida, in 2012. Uh, was on a kayak. <coughs> Neither he nor the kayak were uh, <coughs> ever seen again. Uh, let me see what now what um, Katie says. That's the most awful thought. Terrifying. Yeah. Being in a car that's filling up with water. Yeah. Uh, Kathy is saying regarding um, Brandy Wells. Rockford, I believe, a stranger from Graham Central Station. Nab Brandy or jumped in her car. Someone followed her, made her pull over. I studied her case a lot. Rockford, when I got puzzled with Wells... Um, in the neighborhood where she, I'm going to have to take this call really quick. I know this is very odd, but this is how things are. Hello. Hey, what's going on? I will, I'm doing a show right now. I will call you back in about 45 minutes. Okay. All right. That's fine. Thanks for calling me back. I'll call you and we can talk. All right. Bye-bye. I had to take that call. Very important call regarding unfound business. I'm glad uh, she called me. I'm really looking forward to talking to her. If I can tell you about it later, uh, like next week's live show, I will. Okay. Um, Rockford, I want to get puzzled with the Wells is that the neighborhood where she ended up disappearing doesn't match the number graphic of your typical cowboy hat wearing guy. I would expect him to stand out there. Um. Shree says, I think Kelly Rodney died within minutes. I'm sure it varies. Kathy Rockford, it couldn't have been any guy at the bar. Could have been any guy at the bar who saw Brandy was alone. Rockford, sorry, but I ended up disappearing. I mean, where a cell phone was apparently recovered. Yeah. Uh, Kay Klein, pretty sure they thought Mary Jo Kopechny was alive for a while in the car after Ted Kennedy got out. Kay Klein going all uh, political on us, but that's that's what did happen. And I think I remember that, Kay Klein. Kathy Rockford, it was 10 to 12 miles from the bar to GCS. The perpetrator had to have walked home or back his car at the bar. Okay, talking about Brandy Wells. Yeah, that's a disappearance. I had her mother as the guest, Ellen Tant. Uh, must have been May or June, uh, April, May, June of 2017. So like six years ago, hard to believe. And at the time we did show the video. Uh, of some of the video inside of Graham Central Station and also showed the video that's still up on this very channel, the YouTube channel, of her arriving at Graham Central Station by herself and then her leaving. And I watched that her leaving that place a 100 times. And you watch that video a 100 times, you will come to believe that she was definitely leaving with the guy in the white hat. And the guy's never come forward. Uh, so there you go. Um, what do I want to talk about now? Let's go on to the third crazy story for tonight. Another bizarre story. So we have a guy who became a woman and he ended up 
or she ended up committing suicide. And it solved, resolved the disappearance that had been, what, 32 years old? Second story is about the woman who was in her Jeep, seemingly tried to kill herself, did not kill herself, was underwater for probably at least an hour and survived in her car. And so now we come to this uh, story, and we're going to Manhattan, New York City, New York. A family's six-month search for a missing Manhattan tattoo artist ended when cops found his decomposed body steps steps from where he was last seen, his devastated mother told the Daily News. Six-month search, and he's finally found within steps of where he was seen. How was he found right there? He was there the whole time. Kelly uh, Tolstoy, like Leo Tolstoy. Kelly Tolstoy told the Daily News on Saturday, he's been lying there for six months. Tolstoy said police told her Wednesday, so just five days ago, that her son Drexel Tolstoy, 26, was discovered in the rear of 39 West 32nd Street a 17-story commercial building that houses the tattoo shop that employed him. It shouldn't take six months to find someone hundreds of feet away from where they disappeared, Uh, Kelly wrote in an update to the family's GoFundMe page, which was aimed at covering the family's cost of the search. Tolstoy disappeared on September 25th, so September 25th, 2022, and police officially reported him missing the next day. Police recently obtained surveillance footage from a nearby hotel that showed Tolstoy re-entering his workplace. That sent cops back to the address. So the first thing we have to, why didn't you get that video back in September? And what are the odds that this hotel just happened to have video from six months ago? Once again. Police did not get video for six months. So they obtained the footage from a nearby hotel that showed Tolstoy re-entering his workplace. That sent cops back to the address. Shortly before noon Monday, police said, officers found a body in the rear of the building. Police would not confirm the corpse's identity to the Daily News. But Kelly Tolstoy said an NYPD captain told her the body was her son. The medical examiner has not determined the cause of death. The investigation is continuing. The discovery was first reported in the West Side uh, rag and Upper West Side news site. Kelly's Tolstoy said on the GoFundMe page that when she inquired further about her son's death, a police captain brushed her off saying, why are you asking all these questions? You know it won't bring your son back. That's nice. The captain also asked her to not call again, she said. Police did not immediately respond to Tolstoy's statement. Early in March, Tolstoy said there was suspicious activity on a mobile payment app belonging to her son. We want to know where is his phone, where is his hoodie he was wearing. Security camera images showed Drexel Tolstoy left work at about 6 p.m. on September 25th. His girlfriend of 10 years, Kristen Gonzalez, said she spoke to him around 9 p.m and he was going to see the movie Bullet Train. But cops said there was no showing of that movie at that time. 
Police said Tolstoy was last seen at about 9.25 p.m. near West 32nd Street and 6th Avenue. At about 9.30 p.m., Kelly Tolstoy said, Kelly Tolstoy, who lives in Detroit, called her son to check how he was adjusting to new psychiatric medication. He had been under treatment for depression for about five years, she said. Tolstoy told his mother he couldn't go back to his apartment on the Upper West Side where he lived with Gonzalez. When his girlfriend found out he didn't show up for work the next day, she reported him missing. Tolstoy's building neighbor, Freddie Vega, recalled Saturday how his neighbors came together to distribute missing persons flyers last fall. Young, handsome man, productive. He used to go to work every day, he said of Tolstoy. The whole, this whole thing has been a bad dream, Kelly Tolstoy said. In a way, in my heart, I know that he's not suffering wherever he's at. That's, that has brought me a little bit of peace. I'm glad I know that he's not out there suffering right now. So, being that uh, we just covered Jason Landry's disappearance a week and a half ago, or we covered it came out, the episode came out a week and a half ago. These are how these things happen. If people cannot find a guy who is in, I guess, the alleyway behind this building, then how are people supposed to find Jason Landry? Now we have to start thinking. I mean, for a body to be back there and not be seen for six months. You know, I would, I didn't do a Google street view for this. I don't even know if there would be a street view for uh, this alley or behind this building or wherever this is. I'll have to check, but it must be pretty nasty back there for that to be the case. Now, what strikes me from this article saying that in March or whenever, you know, his phone might have been used or his cash app might have been used. What it means to me is probably what happened is some homeless person came along and did find his body and saw that he was dead and shook him down. Have any cash, any phones, any of this, any of that, and somebody took it and just kept moving. Uh, that seems pretty obvious to be. Now, why wasn't this area searched? Maybe it's just too obvious. It's that, um, you know, the kind of blind spot that we have in our thinking that, well, he's missing. Surely he's not right out in the back. And this is why you never can underestimate anything when it comes to searches. No location can be ruled out, no no matter how close, no matter how far. It... Obviously, he was not in a trash bin or it would have been emptied months ago. I guess he was just right out there on the pavement. Which is, like I said, it just, it just doesn't seem possible except that it seems that is what happened. Now, granted, you know, I don't know if he had any friends in the area. It sounds like his mother, you know, lived in Detroit. Did he have any brothers or sisters who lived in the area, friends? But why didn't they go if it was his tattoo parlor? I'm guessing that at some point after he went missing, they showed up there. It's all locked up. Hey, somebody have a key. Let's go make sure he's not in here. I'm sure they did that. And um, 
why that didn't take them out to like the back of the building. Just at some point you just think, well, that can't be possible. And it ends up being possible. It's very sad. And the police should be embarrassed, not just for what this guy uh, said to his mother. Well, it's not going to, you know, bring your son back. Don't call here again. Um, they should be embarrassed that they just didn't canvas the area. But it also shows, I think, how easily bodies can be hidden. And I'm not saying somebody actually did hide him. I, I could easily be believe, I could easily believe that he committed suicide or something and just collapsed right where he was found. And it just happened to be that people didn't, you know, come across him. But this just shows that the human body is not as big as we think it is. It doesn't stick out. And um, I'm thinking of that disappearance that happened up in the state of Washington. And I can't think of the guy's name, but he, I was living with roommates and there were a lot of suspicions that um, the roommates might've killed this young man. And I think it was a disappeared episode. I know Kathy or Sharia, somebody gonna, is going to remember who I'm talking about. Was his name Brandon too? But he went missing and there was a lot of finger pointing at the roommates and there was like a broken screen door where they were all living. And then some years later, where was he found? He was found on this church property and for all those years, it seemed those churchgoers were parking within feet of his body. And nobody ever realized it until the church called in some landscaper to kind of pretty the place up, cutting some weeds down and mowing and everything. And that's, yeah, Brian Barton, MT, thank you very much. Brian Barton, or Brandon Barton, one of the two. But yeah, Barton is certainly the last name. Thank you very much, MT. All of you can look it up. But that was the resolution to that disappearance. And I think, I remember, I think the church was like a mile and a half. There goes that mile and a half thing again. Robbie Hurt, about a mile from his truck. Brandon Lawson, about a mile, a mile and a half away from his truck. And then Brian Barton, um, about a mile and a half where he from where he lived. And it was on church property. Of course, the building's being used at least every Sunday. They probably have other events. And if you go look at it, and you do, and, and I did this, you go do a street view around that church. It does not seem that anybody could ever be hidden on that property at all. But it happened. So going back and being that Jason Landry has been a recent topic. In fact, he's been really a topic on unfound since the first unfound since the unfound now I did in January of 2021. These are how these things happen. And that's why, you know, I continue to insist that it's no use spreading out any further or farther than the searches they've done for Jason Landry. It's no use going any farther than in whatever directions they've gone. I still say to this day, you start where the car was and you'll work your way out again. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing that. So this reminds me of Brian Barton's disappearance, and I'm sure there are other disappearances that I've had time to think about it, uh, where people were 
not necessarily in plain sight, but they were in places where they should have been found a lot, you know, a lot sooner than they were. Just people didn't think to look there. And um, it's crazy. You know, they just uh, have it here in my notes. On the one end, who would think to look out back, you know, take for granted somebody would have seen something. On the other hand, if you're not going to look out back, you're probably not seriously looking anywhere. <laughs> and I think that's also the point. Uh, yeah, the, the police filled out a police report, but they weren't really looking for him. Uh, where, uh, which didn't surprise all any of us. And where's the family? I mean, obviously there's a lot of finger pointing that can be done at the police, but the family and friends have to, you know, be a little, uh, culpable in this as well. Um, not going down there and really looking over the property really, really, really well. And, and like I said, I didn't do a street field. Maybe I should do that. That might, uh, help my understanding out. Uh, let's see what everybody is, uh, uh, K Klein didn't mean to be political. Don't worry about it. K Klein. Uh, Marty says New York city, my stomping grounds. Well, obviously, uh, you know, something going on there where Marty, where people can lay in alleyways for six months and not be, uh, seen. Uh, Kathy and Rockford continue to have the back and forth. Marty, uh, some places in the city are really nasty, especially the smell. I know, Marty, but, you know, it does sound like this was like a business area or something. And it's it's in Manhattan. Uh, like I said, without going to a Google Street View, I don't know what to think. Uh, Shri is reminding all of you that only 50% of you have given the show a thumbs up. The like button is a free way to support the work we do here at Unfounded Helps by working with the algorithms to bring awareness. Yeah, how about that thumbs up button, everybody? I think we're a little over 50% now. Thank you, Sheree. We're at like 75%, but we know we can do better than that. Um, Rockford and Kathy still going back and forth. You just have your conversation. That's fine. Uh, Twinkle says, maybe the back of the building was so cluttered that the cops didn't feel like looking through. Maybe it was just so nasty. It was like, we're not looking in that. Could be Twinkle, but we have to start thinking, then what exactly was back there? What exactly was back there uh, that wasn't getting cleaned out, I guess, is my point. I mean, they do have trash collection in New York City. Uh, I know the mob runs it, but they have it. So I don't know. Um Rockford says this New York City case has police indifference written all over it. And you're not going to find anyone if you aren't looking for them. More puzzling are the cases where extensive searches yield nothing. Uh, Kathy says Brian Barton is correct. Marty, I'm thinking the back of the building was just so cluttered with garbage they didn't see him. You just think over the course of six months, though, that somebody would uh, you know, give the garbage people a ringy dingy or do something. You just think that. Okay, Klein, Chandra Levy found a year later in the park that was already searched. Right. Chandra Levy. And that's a very, it's very interesting you bring that up, Kay Klein, that, of course, uh, that guy did get charged. He was convicted of a murder, and then they they let him go, right? Of course, he wor- she worked for a, a, a guy in the House of Representatives, and it was determined that he was cheating on his wife with her. And he was seen as being responsible for her disappearance and then her death. 
and then they connected some other guy to her and then they convicted him, but now he's out of jail too. So it's kind of technically still unsolved. Chandra Levy. I remember that. And Crystal Morrison, is that who I'm thinking about? Right. Crystal Morrison. She was found a, a mile away from the last place she was seen at that shell station. Sheree, very nicely done. Barton was on disappeared. Yep. And the people episode seemed to have a slant toward having to do with his roommates. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think it was. Uh, Brandy certainly turned and walked towards CHG, but no proof. She stayed with him and didn't walk towards her car alone. Esther Westenbarger was found what a mile and a half to two miles from where she was last seen at the bar. And she was only like a half mile from her house. Are we seeing a pattern here? People Mark, I would like to see a street view. Where, what is that address again? I will surely, uh, Mark, if anybody wants to go see that, thank you for asking that. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, the address is. 39 West 32nd Street in Manhattan in New York City. That's what it says in this article. Uh, The address is of a 17-story commercial building. Uh, The tattoo shop is in it. And uh, seemingly where he was found, like it was in the alleyway behind it or something like that. Thank you for asking that, Mark. Maybe some people go check that out. Uh, Marty, even though they have trash collectors, you would be surprised at what you can find on the streets. Even the nicest areas can be absolutely disgusting, especially where no one can see, like, back of building. Yeah, Gary Condit. Yeah, that was the representative. Gary Condit was Chandra Levy's uh, boss, and they were having um, extramarital marital affair. And, of course, they thought, could he have said something to do with it? And then they ended up convicting some guy who I think was not an American citizen. Am I right about that? But then uh, on appeal, he was, they decided something went wrong in the trial. And I think that he is not in jail for killing Chandra Levy anymore. So it's still, once again, technically unsolved. I forgot all about Chandra Levy. That's another one that I followed pretty closely back in the day. Pretty, pretty closely. Um, yeah, Rockford, if Condit didn't do it, think about how unlucky he got his career and personal life get blown up because of a very unlikely murder. Uh, Rockford, totally true. And it's just, the story is told over and over again. Married men don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. If you can't be faithful, don't get married. All right, and if you feel like cheating, own up to it, get divorced, and then you can just do whatever you want. There's going to be penalties. You're going to pay for it, but if you, you are going to ruin your life if you cheat on your wife. All right, you're going to do that. Don't do that. If you don't think that you can control yourself, just get the divorce. You're going to have to pay child support and all those things, but hey, you're the one that got into it. Don't do that. And easy for me to talk. I'm single. Uh, uh, right. The guy was deported. Kate Klein. Yeah. The guy that uh, was convicted, but they then let him off or there was a mistake in the trial, whatever happened. Yeah. Katie had, had he not been sleeping with her, his career would have been just fine. Probably Katie. I, I think so. Uh, maybe there might still have been an automatically suspicion, you know, but, you know, if they could never, you know, really put the two together and there was certainly no 
I forget how they did figure out that the two were having an affair. I forget about that. But those then that stuff would not exist. And then it's just, you know, very, you know, very, very unfortunate. Um, but you're totally true, Katie. Uh, I've, I've, you know, even as a single guy and everything, I have no patience for uh, men who cheat on their wives and things. None. Zero. And I've, you know, and most of my friends are married and they all know it's very clear. Do not even think about cheating on your wife and involve me in it. Like I'm going to, you know, give you a cover story. Do not do that because I'm not going to give you a cover story. You do that. I'm going straight to your wife. Believe it. Believe it. Uh, Happy wife, happy life. Look at you, Marty. Uh, Kathy says Rockford, no empathy for Gary Condon. Yeah. Mark says, wow, it is right by the Empire State Building. Is that right, Mark? Or so Mark's looking that up right now. Well, if you're looking that up, what's it? Uh, if you can see a view of that alleyway or something, let us know what it looks like, Mark. Sure, you should do a map of where unfound disappearances were found, how far, how close, the last known location. Look at you, Sheree. You always have these such these great ideas. You know, it was Sheree's idea for the original update episode. I think it was Sheree's idea for the Q&A episode. Uh, it was Sheree's idea for the Think Tank, although I came up with the name. Wow. That's true, Sheree. She's full of ideas, Sheree is. Rockford, not empathizing with him in the slightest just saying, yeah, Gary has one cold fish, Twinkle says. Mark, can't see the alley, but it is a typical narrow New York City street. West 32nd Street is a busy area, always something going on. So this just even raises more of the question. Now, may, of course, maybe we have to think, maybe he wasn't there the whole time. Maybe he was somewhere else and somebody brought him back there. Maybe we have to start be thinking that maybe we shouldn't be so crazy about this. And uh, think that maybe he wasn't there the whole time. Maybe. Um, but that's not how the story reads. Kathy Twinkle, such a sleazy guy. Gary Condit getting no love on the live show tonight. Um, so those are the three crazy stories that uh, I have lined up. I have another one, but I do want to show you some things. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, we got tw- about 20 minutes left. Um, I'm wearing a new shirt here. After last week's live show, a bunch of new unfound merchandise came in the mail so I could show it off during the live show. And I'm going to do um, film myself uh, wearing some things, showing some things off that are going to end up being as trailers to all the videos on this YouTube channel. I haven't done it yet. I've been very busy, but this is a new shirt and you can see it. Uh, and the, of course the merchandise store is, unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. Of course, this is in black, which, of course, I am the man in black. When I play disc golf for tournaments, I am the man in black or black and red. I always wear unfound colors at disc golf tournaments, if you didn't know. My disc golf bag is also black and red. The cart that I use is also black and red. Go figure. But so this is a shirt. You can find this shirt. In the store right now, unfound-podcast.myshopify.com. Got a lot of different colors. Uh, if you'd like to try out some different colors that are not, what we, you know, you want to try out some colors that are what we might call non, 
unfound covers like blue or yellow or something, they're all in there. But of course, for purposes of advertising and showing these things off, uh, I get them in the proper colors. You can also get this in white. You can also get this in red, of course. So I'm wearing this, but I want to show you some other things. Uh, I've got a little bag here that they, uh, let me take that off. Look at that. Get this. And in probably one way or another, I am going to be able to incorporate a, a few of these things into my disc golf game when I go out. So I got this bag. You can see how nice it is with the unfound logo on this. You know, you might use this. You know, I see so many people. You know, I'm a plastic guy. You know, I go to Publix and, you know, they ask me, is plastic okay? It's okay. I'm a child of the 80s. Plastic is totally fine. But I realize some people bring their own bags like leather bags or cloth bags or something, you know, so it's like, you know, saving the planet or something. This could be used for that. Bring this. You want to do a little shopping? Got to go to the grocery store? Perfect bag for those of you who do not use plastic. All right. I got another shirt here. It is not in an unfound color. It's actually in orange. And I think I did this by mistake. But here is show this. And I know for all you audio people, sorry. Uh, another unfound shirt. There we go, right there. I kind of like this one, other one better. But this is another one. You can get this in a variety of colors. You could get this shirt in that color. So that's another kind. And then I also got a bag in red. So here's that same bag in red. Once again, I think it would be perfect for that. It's the first thing that I thought of. Go to the grocery store, take you stunt doing a, a ton of shopping just to pick up a few things. And once again, for all you people who don't want to take the plastic bags, I think that would be perfect. And then in here, come on now. Gonna have to use some some muscles. I got a little cup. You know, I, I, I'm not a coffee drinker. You should know. Uh, I don't need any more energy in my life. Uh, not a big caffeine guy, although I do drink a lot of iced tea, but really not really into it that much, but I got the unfound cup. There we go. Kind of nice. Uh, it has like a a blue to this. I don't know if that's, uh, is it blue all? Maybe you can get it with black. I really didn't check, but this is pretty cool. Little cup. And then this is certainly something that I'm going to be taking out on the disc golf course uh, soon. Uh, very relevant to what I do out on the disc golf course. But unfound water bottle. This is certainly going to go in, into my um, bag. So I hope you will check these things out. And there's a lot of other different things there as well. And it is unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. Once again, unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. And you should also know um, that I'm trying to work on some unique designs. Uh, that of course, a lot of this stuff is, you know, just 
you know, the stuff and the logo just gets slapped on of it on it. But as you know, about a month ago, I put a little post or any sayings or things that I do during episodes that might be interesting to put on shirts or whatever else. And you guys uh, and ladies came up with a bunch of them. And so I want to try to get some custom shirts like that done. And luckily, I just discovered this recently. Um, A friend of mine who runs a disc golf store, they make their own shirts there. And he's right over here in Clearwater. So maybe I can work out some deal with him to get them made. I will have to, I will have to talk to him. But I, I know he makes because he has his business, and I have some. I wear some of his shirts at disc golf tournaments with his logo on them, and they're really high quality shirts. So I have to talk to him on the list of things to do. But really make some things that are really really unique. And so uh, hopefully I can get that done and get those out maybe this summer and, uh, you know, get some of those things like they were never seen again. And I'll leave the theorizing up to you and some of these things with, you know, like, you know, to put on a shirt uh, that are sayings or things that have just come to my mind and they've become part of every episode. Um. And I think that would be something that's pretty cool, pretty unique uh, that you can't get anywhere else because those sayings are only used on Unfound. So there you go. Uh, Love the shirt. So once again, uh, let me type it in the... There you go. Um use it the bag when you go to the coffee shop with your laptop you know uh funny you mentioned that puma i've really not been getting out a lot recently uh mainly because of uh, i've been working on this something else that i want to mention before we get to this friday's episode that i continue to work on my how to podcast better than anyone series and the videos are just about done um, if this is, you're just finding out about this for the first time, uh, I've been working on this for some months now. Uh, it's the main reason that I haven't really been going out that much. It's one of the reasons I haven't been practicing disc golf, uh, very much because I've been working on this teachable course and it has to do with podcasting, how to start a podcast, everything from, you know, picking a genre to determining how often you're going to podcast everything through marketing and everything else, the whole way up to monetizing with Patreon, PayPal, and everything in between. Recording, what equipment you should use, all of it. Social media, it's as comprehensive a course on podcasting as has ever been created because I looked a lot of them up and before I decided to do this. And, and of course, all of the others stink. And plus, they're being done by people who, who although they may be podcasters, uh, they surely are not um, doing a podcast like Unfound. You have to remember something. You know, I don't talk about the numbers that much, but Unfound is in the top 3% of downloaded podcasts in the world. And that's in any genre. 
in the top 3%. And so I would like to pass. It seems like maybe I know a little bit about what I'm doing. I've been doing it for six and a half years. Certainly, we're always looking to um, make the, the podcast more profitable. And, you know, it's always something that's on my mind because, to be honest, um, you know, this is something that has really been lacking. Um, you know, I'm not the greatest business person, just to be honest, although I'm working at it, as you can probably tell, maybe since 2023 got started. And I thought, you know what? I wish when I started in 2016, I wish there would have been a, a, a really good comprehensive podcast course that I could have just followed step by step for starting Unfound. Didn't have that. And I do talk about all the mistakes I made in this course. In each section, whatever the topic is, I talk about the mistakes that I made and maybe some I continue to make. And... But I've been working on this fraud because I had to write it first. Had to figure out how it was all going to be planned out. Then what I did was I had to record the audio, which took some time to get it right. And then I had to do video of me in front of the camera, uh, me talking about Unfound at the end of each section. Of course, I had to come up with the logo that so many of you helped me on, giving me point, pointers on the logo that is uh, really the mic, the the car, a, a microphone cartoon of me with a you know the um, cap on as if I'm graduating or something or you know with the big smile and everything that I'm going to be using as the logo for this course, and then I had to go out and find all the pictures to go with the audio because it's a video program. <laughs> and so while you're taking this teachable course at teachable.com, you know, there's different images when I'm talking about equipment, you'll see some like computers or, and some of them are like funny pictures, but some of them are serious. Um, but pictures to go along with the audio that I've already done. Well, I've been using iMovie on this Mac to put it all together. And that takes time. So it's really, really a lot closer to being done than uh, I probably can think right now. I still have a couple sections to do, and then it'll be setting up the Teachable, the site on teachable.com. And then we're going to be doing some marketing. And so I'm hoping launch date will be the beginning of the summer, like June 1st of 2023. So about a month and a half from now. I'm hoping, but this has been a long time coming. I've been working on this behind the scenes since the beginning of the year. And so I want to tell you all about that. And once again, it's going to be called how to podcast better than anyone. It's going to be on teachable.com. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be a cheap course because you, you want, if somebody wants to podcast, all they have to do is follow everything here. They will not have to do anything else um, except, you know, just get their podcast started and look for a podcast hosting company if that's what they're going to do and all that. But there's a lot of uh, knowledge that I've gained over six and a half years, and that's worth something. And it's for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're starting a true crime podcast, 
sports podcast, political podcast, video games, it doesn't matter. Even if it's something that's a little more um, rare, maybe you're going to do a podcast on archaeology, maybe you're going to do a podcast on basket weaving or something like that. Anybody who's thinking about doing, starting any kind of podcast should take this course. And I think it even can be helpful for people who already have uh, a podcast and they're wondering, you know, I'm only getting 2,000 downloads a month. What am I doing wrong? And I can kind of, uh, you know, you take the course, I think you'll be able to figure some of those things out. So it's been working on hard behind the scenes. Just have to finish this. Going to do a lot of marketing for it. But like I said, it's not going to be cheap. If you think you want to start your own podcast and take the course, you know, it's uh, it's going to be more than $2 a month on Patreon. That's for sure. But I think it's worth it. I think it's it'll, it's going to be money, money, uh, money very well spent. Uh, and really compared to the cost that you can get into when you're, you know, running a podcast from hosting, uh, you know, getting podcast host and starting a website and everything, really the cost for this, uh, course will not be a lot compared to some of those costs. So there you go. I wanted to get that in before, uh, we finish tonight. I would just want to read, uh, that's a nice orange. Yeah. Uh, the bags are nice too. Uh, yeah. I like the cup. Hello, Heather. Uh, there it is. Rockford. Imagine the irony of misplacing it, recovering from the lost and found department. Look at you, Rockford, making that dad joke. I love it. Marty, I picked up a hat and it's awesome. Great quality. It's stuff is very good quality. There's no doubt about that. I, I noticed that right away. Um, Lisa member for four months. Thank you for your support. Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's up? Uh, Charlotte. I'm going to consider it. Great twinkle. Uh, thank you guys for considering, uh, taking the course. I would appreciate it. So this Friday, let's get to this Friday's episode. It is the fifth annual Q and a episode. First one started in 2018 in April of 2018. I think it was due. This was before maybe, maybe Sheree. I don't know if you, um, recommended this or not. Cause I think I started doing this before we knew each other. But maybe I'm wrong about that. But um, this is going to be the first fifth Q and A episode where I've gotten a lot of questions. I'm going to take questions that I've answered over the last six months here on the live show because I save all of those. But then I'm also taking questions. I've been taking questions for the last few weeks. They do not have to be. Um, True crime questions. They do not have to be missing persons questions. It could be questions about me, questions about movies, about music, anything else. Anything. As long as it's PG rated and it's not too personal. And in fact, uh, I know a couple episodes ago, I, I, I even answered the question, Ed, why are you single? And I believe I started that question off by answering, how much time do you have? So... As you could tell, I'm fairly, you know, lenient with the questions, <laughs> but I like doing it. It's once a year because there are a lot of people who listen to the podcast, but maybe don't know, you know, some of these things that I think that 
when an audience gets to know a host or a performer, a musician, uh, you know, better, know what makes that person tick, I think it's best for everybody. So that's why I do it. This is one of those things. I don't know why more hosts don't do it. Although I do realize there are some people out there that do ask me anything shows on YouTube and elsewhere. But here are some just a sample of the questions I will surely be answering uh, that you will hear on Friday. Uh, somebody asked me about my favorite movies. I've already stated I'm going to answer the, the question about my thoughts on Phil Mickelson going to live golf and playing with the Saudis. That shouldn't be controversial at all. <clears throat> I'm going to answer a question about how we go about our business. How does an episode become an episode? I've gotten questions about how do I think, what do I think about artificial intelligence and how is it going to affect disappearances? And I got a question about my voice. How do I take care of my voice for all the talking that I do? That's just a very, very small sample of questions that I will be answering that you will get to listen to on Friday. I don't know how long the episode's going to be. Really haven't figured that out yet. I'll know more about that tomorrow. But that's all I got. That is, uh, be looking for that. So it's just going to be me on Friday. Me and my voice, I hope you can stand it because then two weeks later, it's going to be update episode number 14. And once again, all you're going to get to do is hear me. I hope I don't kill all of you with my voice. So that's all I have. Thank you for watching tonight. I appreciate all the time uh, that you give uh, Unfound on Monday nights. For all of you people who are listening with the audio, thank you all. I, I just cannot thank you all of an, all enough. Uh, once again, consider joining at patreon.com slash uh, forward slash unfound podcast, paypal.me forward slash pay, uh, unfound podcast. Become a member of this channel on YouTube by hitting the join button, unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. I think that's it. Good night, everyone, and Charlie, say hi to the boys for me. Good night. <laughs>